Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery available. What up, my homies? You ready to get spanked? Anytime you're ready. Gary Hoffman. You're a nice guy, but you're a lightweight, and I know for a fact that you pee sitting down. Shannon Farron. She's the most interesting woman in the world. Wait, I'm sorry, what is this show now? I won't tell you, but only if you grab onto something to brace yourself, because you are going to hit the effing floor. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. Oh, yeah. Then yeah, no, I get it now. All you have to do is wait a second. Your hands on mine. The clock is ticking, so say. Gary and Shannon. I'm having one of those mornings where everything is pissing me off. <laughs> oh, we know. <laughs> and we're treading very lightly as a result of it. Like this CNN headline, Adele lost weight. Are we allowed to praise that? <laughs> Listen, we are all struggling to get through this. It's not World War II. We're not in the trenches, but it sucks, right? We can all agree it sucks. Yes, it sucks. Do I need to read things like this first thing in the morning? Is praising Adele's current appearance somehow criticizing how she looked before? Or are we simply acknowledging the transformation? It's an entire article about the picture Adele posted on Instagram and whether it's how, how we feel about it is okay or not. Wouldn't you, if you're working for CNN... Love to write that article because I bet you nowhere in there does it say the words coronavirus or COVID-19. Okay, that's a strong point. But she looks great. She looks great. And in a time when we're talking about a virus that is going after people who are obese, that obesity is one of those underlying health conditions that uh, puts you, sets your body up to be absolutely ravaged by this virus, why wouldn't we say yeah, it's a good life decision that she's made, and I hope that she can keep it off and stay healthy. Wasn't it just yesterday we had a story out of London about obese people being quarantined for the rest of their lives? Yes, uh, at least until this thing passes. I don't know about the rest of their lives, but the potential for obesity to be, I, I haven't seen a breakdown of the list of those underlying health conditions that are most uh, dangerous to have, I suppose, right now. We hear a lot of, you know, lung issues, obviously, because this is a respiratory illness. So lung cancers, emphysema, things like that, COPD, those would be really bad to have. But that obesity is one of those issues that also seems to be high on the list in terms of if you've got it, this is going to hurt you bad. This is going to potentially kill you. And it's whether whether you're obese because of a glandular problem or because of a bonbon problem. The fact that you're obese is a dang- this is a dangerous time to be obese. So when Adele comes out, comes back onto Instagram for the first time in however long the dark period in our lives was, 
Why can't you just go, yeah, she looks she looks great. Because I'm not saying she didn't look great or that she was untalented or that she was an ugly monster three years ago, but just say, hey, she looks great. I want to know how she did it. I don't know. You know? I, there's nothing I could say. It's a long I, road. It is a long it road. It is a and long road. It, it is making good decisions that's every day. A hundred pounds, I think, is what she lost, yeah. something like that. If 20 stone or five stone, whatever the words they use are, uh, the whatever measurement of weight. Bloody is. stones. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but if you've ever tried to lose weight, you know, five pounds, 10 pounds. Because they use bloody as an adjective. Okay. So like, Got it. You know. I guess I should have gotten that. We've been watching Peaky Blinders. That would have been. I think that's why I just said that because we were talking about that before the show. <laughs> Um, that headline, here's another headline that absolutely pisses me off, uh, but this is more COVID specific. It's a pissed off Wednesday. Uh, it is a pissed off Wednesday. I think we should. Uh, Cars are pissed off. It's going to make me better. The uh, University of Pennsylvania model predicted 350,000 deaths by the end of June. The 350,000 deaths by the end of June. Wharton School of Business has put this together. They have done what they do. Cost-benefit analysis. Now, there were a couple things. I went through the... That's if states fully reopen. That's if states fully reopen and if everybody ignores everything we've learned over the last three months about coronavirus, which means... Everybody's walking around. We're shaking hands. We're licking doorknobs. We're we're swapping spit with strangers. There are three scenarios that they have laid out. Scenario one, states continue the stay-at-home orders. If we continue to stay at home, all the states, which isn't going to happen, it's going to be 117 deaths by the end of June. 117,000. 117,000 deaths by the end of June. And then when you look at the amount of jobs lost, it's 18.6 million. The second scenario is partially reopening. You're going to see 162,000 additional deaths. That's up from 117,000. Now you're at 162,000. And then in terms of jobs lost, it looks like you'll hang on to about 4 million jobs. And if the states fully reopen, the death toll by the end of June, 350,000 people would die, according to this. Again, that's if every state fully reopened, not going to happen. And and if we all started licking doorknobs once again, not going to happen with just a half a million jobs lost. And uh, I don't the- think so. I think that I think this means all states fully reopen and we still have the masks on. Mm mm. I went through and I did the sliders. I checked the whole thing. This is their absolute worst case scenario. Okay. So, which is you? You've got to have you got to have guardrails, right? You got to have a right. absolute worst case scenario, absolute best case scenario, so that you, as the University of Pennsylvania, can say that's going to be somewhere in the middle. We're pretty much experts at this now. But those types of headlines are so irresponsible. Whether it's CBS News or Fox or AP or whoever puts this together. That this University of Penn model predicts 350,000 deaths by the end of June. If it, all states fully reopen is in the headline, at least on the CBS uh, out of Philadelphia. But it, but it's one of those things that it, you've got to spend a half a second, let your brain process that, and then say, oh, if they all fully reopen. And we know that that's not going to happen. 
Because even if the death toll in New York State, for example, the good news today was that the death toll in New York State went down again. It is rising in other places, in other places that didn't get hit right away, that they're seeing uh, the the number of deaths increase. But again, that's a lagging indicator. Those people who are dying today were most likely infected with this thing four, five, even six weeks ago and have been languishing in these hospitals. Listen, speaking of hospitals, today is National Nurses Appreciation Day. What an absolute appropriate time for us to appreciate nurses who are in the trenches right now dealing with all of this. A little later in the show, we're going to take phone calls from you. If you're a nurse, we'd love to hear what it's like because I, I think that's one of the stories that is undercovered um, in terms of what life is like every single day for nurses who are dealing with this. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be on the COVID floor or the COVID section or anything like that. Because there are plenty of other people that are still going to the hospital. Or if you I shouldn't have, say plenty, but there are still some people going to the hospital. Or if you just have a, a great story about a nurse in your life. Excellent point. All right. Coming up next, we will talk more about this. It looks like the president has reversed course when it comes to the coronavirus task force, but he has changed the focus of said task force. We'll get into it. By the way. Yeah. Can we come up with a name for whatever this thing <laughs> This next chapter of our lives is, are we like rebound, recovery, rehab, re, re, re uh, well, workshop Spitball, it. okay, yeah. got it. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. Did you hear about the epidemiologist in the UK? He was advising the government on its whole coronavirus response. He uh, is based at Imperial College in London. One of the architects, really, of the UK government's stay-at-home strategy. He has stepped down because his married lover has twice visited his home during quarantine. (laughs) Professor Neil Ferguson is his name. Ah, well. And the Telegraph reported that a woman described as his married lover visited his home in London at least twice. There are some human drives that uh, even coronavirus can't turn off. I bet there's a lot of those visits going on. You think so? Of course there are. Yeah. It's just that this moron was the one who was telling people, you all need to stay home. And then, except for her, the wench... In the white, bring her to me. Coronavirus comeback? Ooh. COVID comeback? Something like that? COVID comeback. I like that. Just something. I don't know. Anything. The president uh, yesterday said it looked like the task force was going to be winding down the White House coronavirus task force. But he said today it will continue indefinitely. It's just going to shift focus a bit, shift focus on uh, rebooting the economy. Now, I'm confused about this because the people that would be on the coronavirus task force are doctors and the like. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and and they're not economists. So it, it's he, a different uh, team. Well, the one of the White House officials says as as we shift from 
the medical response, epidemiological response to an economic rebound that the the membership of the group would at, would change. So whether it's, you know, right now, just an assumption, if you've got 10 people on the task force and all of them have medical background that in a week or two, we get a couple people in there who have an economic background. And then in a couple of weeks, we get a couple more people in there. Uh, I would assume that's that's the way that it would go. Um the tweet today from the president said the task force will continue on indefinitely and that we may add or subtract people to it as appropriate. The task force will be very focused on vaccines and therapeutics as well. So uh, good news. Hey, uh, there's one there's a there's an angle of this story that is unfortunate. I started looking around because I had heard stories about doctors and suicide, doctors, nurses and suicide. And it got me down the road of things that we have been ignoring because we've been talking about coronavirus deaths. I mean, specifically attributed to coronavirus and COVID-19. And I came up with just this off the top of my head, the list of things that are going to be long term side effects of this. And I, I mean, not just coronavirus, but quarantine, shelter at home, people staying at home, loss of jobs, you know, all of that stuff. And these are the things that I came up with. Suicide, not just healthcare industry suicide, but suicide in general. I'm wondering if some of the deaths that have come from this are going to be counted as coronavirus related caused. or caused or it could if they're going to be lumped in with that. Um, opioid overdoses. We talked about that the other day, that there's a, been a spike in opioid overdoses, especially in the Midwest, where they've had a, already a massive problem. Um, deaths at home from things like heart attacks, strokes, even appendicitis. People are afraid to go into the hospitals, even though emergency rooms, for example, are very safe. Uh, domestic violence increases. Even LAPD Chief Michael Moore said that they've been seeing fewer calls but that he believes that doesn't mean there's been less domestic violence. He says, in fact, it's probably more. Oh, it's probably off the charts. Child abuse and molestation uh, that has gone up simply because of the proximity of people in the same place at the same time. Uh, less to a lesser degree, school closures and learning losses and things like that. But all of those and, and every single one of those types of things is a long, long-term potential problem in your life. It changes your life completely. It changes so, the course of your life. So those those things are the side effects that nobody seems to be acknowledging or talking about, especially when it comes to, and this is the weird thing, the county public departments of health are usually those agencies that deal specifically with things like opioid overdoses, domestic violence, uh, child molestation, all of those things. And right now they're so singularly focused, it seems, on this, on COVID-19, that all those other things are falling by the wayside. Who knows, though? Do, we don't really know. I mean, are they still going and checking on, on kids that where there have been child abuse claims and things like that? I would assume they are. They gotta, there's got to be a call. Yeah. That's the thing. There's gotta, right. They've got to have the contact originally. Right. But why would they not call now when they would call if there was no coronavirus? I, there was an explanation that I saw was that the, the fact that people are around all the time, you don't have that spare moment to, to call if, to, in a domestic violence situation. Your partner, whoever that is, is constantly there. The other thing is that the kids being at home 
don't have contacts with other adults that might recognize that something's wrong. Like right. A, like, like a, a teacher. teacher. Yeah. So if they don't get a call in the first place, there's no way that that uh, that the county's going to be able to figure out that there was a problem. So anyway, uh, when we come back, what you watch on Wednesday? Some good stories that we have uh, about shows that are out there. And I got halfway through the Star Trek or Star Wars. I mean, that's cool. No, nah, it's not cool. It's not. You don't like it. I could tell, by the way, uh, Jacob was talking to you about it yesterday that you probably weren't going to like it. Yeah, you should probably just leave it at the half. And then. And, and listen, isn't that an indictment of the movie that I paused it in the middle and I was like, uh, I yeah. could do without the rest of it. Yeah. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue. Now I know I'm falling in deep because I need you here with me. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Apparently, they're having coronavirus parties up in Walla Walla, Washington. At these parties, non-infected people mingle with an infected person to try and catch the virus. And what does that mingling look like? It's like a chicken pox party. The CDC recommends against this, if you're wondering. (laughs) Saying COVID-19 parties are not part of the solution. They're taking it in the opposite direction because that will lead to an outbreak. Neighbors in the Bellevue area told Cairo they saw a similar offer for a play date with three contagious children posted on (laughs) Nextdoor. The post read, I have three young kids who are currently contagious. If you would like your kids... To be immune, let me know and we can make arrangements for a play date. Wow. Listen, I'm all for people and their personal responsibilities, but this is ridiculous. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know if you've been following the Sam Rubin story on Channel 5. He's got a new television. That must be nice. I, there's a promo that we play of you saying, you know, looking into these people's homes. Yeah. I don't understand why it is that uh, that that we're so enthralled by I, why why we even realize that Sam Rubin has a new television beyond the fact that he didn't even take the plastic off of it uh, while he's doing his live shots. It's a weird. I don't know. I don't know why well, I feel eye. like they changed up where he was doing his live shots because he was in front of that fireplace, remember? And it had that igloo playmate cooler full of flowers. Mm-hmm. And it's 90 degrees. It was bothering me. Yeah, like, what are you doing in front of the fire? Totally. The fire was on. The fire was on. Uh, and so now it looks like they've changed it up. And so they may have brought in that monitor recently. Uh, and maybe they have the plastic on it so that. So that it's, he doesn't he doesn't have to touch it. I don't know. Just run. But a, again, just the, run a comb the, through that hair too. Actually, yeah, seriously, what's going on? Who who is not telling him to brush his hair? Even I mean, listen. Even if there's nobody in the home with him, I don't know his domestic situation, so I don't know what's going on. But if there's nobody in the home with him, doesn't somebody in the TV station go? Oh, uh, hey Sam. By the way, uh, when we get a break, when we're doing weather or something like that, just run a comb through there. It looks like you still got bedhead. Maybe he's one of those like monsters that you can't tell anybody anything. You know, like he'll lose it if you say brush your hair. 
And then at one point, wasn't he outside the door peeking in? That bothered me. I was confused. It was like, where's Waldo? <laughs> I didn't see that one. Yeah, he would stand outside and like peek in. It was weird. Huh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Time for What You Watch in Wednesday. The following program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. I got into uh, Mindy Cowling's new Netflix show, Never Have I Ever, yesterday. The writing is great. I mean, it's it's about you know teenage girls in high school, and they're geeky, and they want to be cool, so they're trying to do things that they think are cool. Um, but you know, once you get past the juvenile sense of it, it's a it's a well written show. Uh, is it like uh, super bad or? No, uh, there was another one that came out recently that was something about like the book club or the the girls club, the oh, girls version of Superbad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I saw the the trailer for that and it did look good. I just that wouldn't be my speed. It wouldn't be your lane. No. And you even said that, which I thought was funny. Uh, this is not for you. It's not for you. No. <laughs> uh, we've been trying to trying to watch shows. Uh, I still have, I think, one episode left of Westworld. I know the season finale was on Sunday, but I've been I've been backed up with TV shows. I have to put a limit on myself about how much TV to watch because I can understand that it's a that it's a it can be a bad thing to sit on your couch for that long yeah. and watch that much TV. And I'm struggling with it because some days, like after we do four hours of coronavirus talk. Um, I just want to escape into that. I don't want to think about what's going on. I just want an an escape route. Even the escape of going, like, I'll go walk the dog for an hour. Yeah, but then you see everybody in your neighborhood, (laughs) and it reminds you that we're all half of them wearing masks, half of them not wearing masks. Some people leave the sidewalk when we walk by. Some people are like, "Hey, what's going on? You're not supposed to talk to me." You're right. That escape of just uh, not. Not thinking, although last night in one episode of Peaky Blinders, they're shaking hands across the thing. And I thought, uh oh, that Peaky Blinders is set, you know, just a couple of years after uh, the Spanish flu. I wonder if anybody even thinks about that anymore. What? Why would I think that? Why would I? That's such a it's such it's crept into every aspect of what should be a normal release and non uh, covid time. I'm still thinking about, oh, I wonder if in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, they're going to even discuss a pandemic, a global or a, sorry, a what would the a galaxial pandemic that's yeah, the people that are going stupid. home and watching like contagion and pandemic and all that. It's like, I don't I don't understand You're that. Setting yourself up for Good horror Lord. at that point. I, I'd like to watch these these girls in high well, school. Black Mirror, <laughs> for example, Black Mirror, the creator, Charlie Brooker, says that he's not working on writing season six because We've already found ourselves plunged into a nightmarish dystopia like Black Mirror. Yes. In fact, there was early on, there were a lot of people who, you know, once this thing, we all started shutting down, middle, sort of towards the end of March, people were like, this all feels like an episode of Black it Mirror. It really did. I remember watching Black Mirror and having to, being able to only watch one like a week because it is depressing. It would depress the hell out of you. It's dark. Oh, uh, I want uplifting content right now. Jerry Seinfeld is out with a new oh, Netflix special. Yeah. Uh, which is one of those things that it was a such a bright spot of, oh, my gosh, I get for an hour and a half, 
it's okay for me to laugh at all of this stuff yeah. and not worry about anything. That's going to be nice. I am still addicted to the Michael Jordan documentary on ESPN, The Last Dance. They're saying that this Sunday, the episodes, I forget what episode we're on now. I think we're on seven and eight, um, that the creators of the ES- of, of the documentary were shocked that Michael Jordan signed off on the stuff that's going to be in these episodes. Really? So I'm excited about that. And then Craig Hodges is pissed off because Michael Jordan talked about the cocaine circus. Uh, that wow. was the Bulls before he arrived there in 84. Uh, because Craig Hodges is like, well, how do you explain that? You know, there's guys that, that were on the team then and they sat down to watch this documentary, probably with their kids. And how do you explain that to a 12-year-old? And it's like, well, then maybe you shouldn't have been in the cocaine circus. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, the 80s were a hell of a time, kid. Dad made some bad decisions back then. Right. And I don't do that anymore. Right. Like, please, yeah, your kid doesn't think that you were into girls and drugs when you were a freaking star basketball player. A star athlete in the uh, in the 80s. Okay. Right. All yeah. right. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about um, nurses. Today is Nurse Appreciation Day. One of the things that we wanted to do was to hear from you about your stories. If you're a nurse, we'd love to hear what it's like on the front lines of where you're working. But... If you're not a nurse, uh, we would love to hear the stories of nurses in your life. And we'd love to hear the the work that they've been doing and your opportunity to say thank you to them. Also, Cindy wrote to us and told us that Sam Rubin is giving that TV away in a contest. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Then. Yeah. That's why he doesn't want to get his goo all over it. Right. 1-800-520-1534, 800-520-1KFI. Tell us your nurse stories on this Nurse Appreciation Day. Maybe you're a nurse. Maybe you have a nurse story, somebody who has meant a lot in your life. Let us know. Maybe you played a nurse one Halloween. I don't know. Like a sexy nurse? Well, it doesn't have to be. It does because it's Halloween. And you got to dress like a slut on Halloween. Gary and Shannon. Sometimes I feel like giving up, but I just can't. It isn't in my blood. It isn't in my blood. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeart Radio app. German officials clearing the way for restaurants, hotels, and remaining stores to reopen in the coming weeks and for German Soccer League to resume play. Germany started shutting down public life mid-March. They have seen new infections decline significantly in recent weeks. Speaking of infections, by the way, did you see that Ruth Bader Ginsburg back in the hospital? Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. Infection caused by a gallstone. That's uh, not good. But she... I mean, I'm no doctor or nurse, but infections. <laughs> She's... No bueno. I'm not a doctor, but infection, that'll hurt. Uh, she was on the phone calls this morning. They were doing their phone arguments, uh, but she was uh, on the phone while in the hospital today. Well, it is uh, National Nurses a Day or Nurses Appreciation Day or whatever it is that you want to call it. Uh, but it was an opportunity, we thought, to uh, to maybe do special messages to people who are nurses. Or if you might be a nurse or you know somebody who is a nurse and you'd like to say something, we'd love to hear from you. 1-800-520-1534. Uh, Tara is on with Gary and Shannon. What's going on, Tara? 
Hi, this is Tara. I'm calling about my best friend, Cindy, who's been a nurse for many years. She's a maternal nurse, so she works with new moms and newborn babies. And she's had to change her job quite a bit because, you know, it's a special day for them. And usually they have family and people in the room, and they're not allowed to do that now with the current situation. So she's had to technology, like, set things up for them so they can have Zoom calls with family, you know, take pictures with them and really become that, you know, extra special nurse that she always has been and give them the ability to see, you know, what's going on and what they're missing out and make sure that they're feeling taken care of. And um, after that, she also at night has been, like, cooking meals for my family members who are, like, diabetic and my dad who's 81 and several other people. And she's actually made us all masks, too, for us to wear, and she's been sewing them as well. So she's been just going beyond and beyond her normal job title. Dang. Always Good going too. above and beyond nurses are, even when nobody is looking, because that's just who the who they are as people. Cindy, Cindy needs a Nobel Peace Prize or something. Thank you, Tara. We appreciate it. <laughs> She's been wonderful. Thank uh, you. You bet. Kimberly is calling. Hi, Kimberly. You are a nurse, right? I am. How's it been going? Well, it's not that bad. Um I'm a labor and delivery nurse, so just like your previous call, we've had to make adjustments because, um, you know, usually when you're in labor, you want all your friends and visitors and family in the room, and we're only allowing just one visitor right now, and that's the um, the significant other or the husband, the father of the baby, whatever you want to call. And, um, you know, but we're just giving more of ourselves to the patient. We're, like, more supportive. We've always been supportive, but we're having to be even more supportive, especially when he has to leave the hospital for any reason. What has been the the mood and the the feeling with with new moms? Is this, I mean, I imagine this is a crazy time to be giving birth. Uh, First time or fifth time? (laughs) I think so. A lot of them say that they, you know, they're sad because they missed out on their baby showers and they can't have their friends and family with them. But, you know, they're very um, they're very gracious, and they thank um, us, the nurses, for being there with them. And, um, you know, it's just I, it's just what I do every day anyway. You know, I, I'm always supporting my patients. Well, Kimberly, um, thank you for I that. Happy, happy National Nurses Day. Well, thank you very much. Of course. Uh, thank you. you. Know, that's one of the things Dr. Jim Keeney actually this morning said that they don't listen. This is what they signed up for. They're ready to do their jobs, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a Ebola, whether it's a gunshot. This is what they signed up for. So they're not afraid of doing their job. So uh, that's a was a good angle from her. We'll take more of your calls to celebrate nurses today when we come back. One eight hundred five two zero one KFI right here on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon. The governor is mad at Yuba, Yuba and Sutter counties. These are two rural counties up north that have defied the stay-at-home order. They say they're not backing down. Today, the Yuba Sutter Mall will become the first mall in California to reopen. What do you think's in the Yuba Sutter Mall? Stand by. Uh, a boot barn. Oh, think a, a, a dress barn. barn? Ooh, and, a, and a dress yeah. barn. I bet you a boot barn and a dress barn. Uh, there's probably a craft store of some kind, like Margaret's Crafts. Hobby Lobby. 
I don't think I think Hobby Lobby's a bigger one, and I think it's outside the mall. If I'm not right. mistaken. Okay. okay, let's see here. There's a, there's an Auntie Anne's pretzels. There you go. We've got a Bath and Body Works, mm. Mm. a Claire's, which is a mall staple. The governor says that Yuba and Sutter counties are endangering the public, but he stopped short of threatening a crackdown. Now, J.C. Penney, Yuba and Sutter counties share a public health director, K. Jewelers, and that public health director said it was okay to reopen. So, Sunglass Hut. Did you see what Mike Bonin is doing as well? And a Ross. Mike Bonin is demanding that luxury hotels tell him why they don't want to be part of Operation Room Key or Project Room Key, whatever it's called. Project Room Key. Where the homeless, homeless people. Move in? Yeah. So, yeah, because example, they're luxury hotel chains. And there's probably. Oh, go ahead. The Ritz Carlton, right? Yeah. What do you think the Ritz Carlton would write on Ritz Carlton? Uh, stationary to Mike Bonin when he demands to know why they're not participating and an explanation for their lack of participation. I don't answer to you, Mike Bonin, and I want to continue to charge $700 a night when the economy reopens, and I won't be able to do that if the homeless come in here and ruin my business. I don't understand what Mike Bonin is. And you. Right. And this. I didn't realize we had a shortage of rooms to place the homeless right now. It doesn't matter if we do or not. Mike Bonin wants to stretch out and show you what he's got. Do you hear about pubs in Ireland are going to be closed until August 10th? Pubs in Ireland. That's not good. That doesn't mean people aren't going to drink. Just you can't do it at a pub. uh, That's essentially what you do there. That's where everybody meets. That's where, you, you know, that's the whole livelihood. It's National Nurse Day. And we've been taking calls, 1-800-520-1534, 800-520-1KFI, to, uh, to thank our nurses. Either you are a nurse or you got a nurse in your life or you know a nurse or someone helped you and they were a nurse. Please, Jenny, tell me that you have an accent. No, I don't. Oh, you're calling <laughs> from Tennessee and you don't have an accent. No, I don't. I spent like 20 years in New York City. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. So how's it going for you there in Tennessee? Um, I work in a psych facility, and the we have limited the amount of news that we let people watch because it has raised the anxiety. Almost every patient who's on anxiety meds, their anxiety has gone through the roof, which has made my job 10 times harder. And I'm dealing with a lot of patients who are just, like, basically freaking out. And they basically, every almost every single one of them is certain that they have the virus and stuff like that. And we can't, what can we do? Yeah. I've even limited what I watch. Well, that's, I can only imagine, Jenny. Thank you for wait, the call. Wait, 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 I, oops, what? Oh, oh she's still, her. no, I still got her. Stand by. I was just wondering, Jenny, uh, how do you do that? Like in an echo chamber of a psych ward where everyone's kind of freaking out and, you know, anxiety feeds on more anxiety. And I would assume that that would just make the problem that much harder. How are you dealing with that? I make me personally. um, I come home. I talk to my friends who are nurses and we compare notes. I have friends who I went to nursing school with who are working in New York right now. Um, I come home, I've done a whole lot more meditating um, I to, to deal with my, and I try to decompress as I come home because even my animals are more nervous because I'm more nervous. 
and I walk around with hand sanitizer in my pocket, and um, we're not wearing masks because that freaks out the patients, and we're we're being screened. I went to Vanderbilt yesterday, and they're taking temps. They put stickers on you that say what date you were there, so you can't come back without having the temperature being taken, and they ask you the whole list of questions and everything. People are people are very nervous, and like I said, I'm editing the amount of media that I listen to, and you know, you have so many wild theories all over the place, and it's a new theory every day, and it's a new and my but my friends in New York City, they are. My friend who's working, she works geriatric psych. She's like, you know, she's like, they're issuing her not a, a, a filter mask. They're issuing paper masks. The regular ones that you walk around with that you see, they're yellow. They're making them wear them for two and three shifts. Wow. And she's taking, she's taking, and she doesn't take her clothes off in the garage, but she takes them off in her entryway and puts them in a bag and then puts on gloves to put them in her washing machine. Well, uh, Jenny. Because they, they admit a lot of homeless people off the street who are over 60, they have psychiatric disorders. TB oh, is rampant in the ward that she works on. And, you know, you come in, you've got TB, you're coughing and sneezing, and, you know, that's how it's spread. And it is just, it's overwhelming. Well, you thanks know, for the call, not. Jenny. Appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, man. Thanks for letting us make the cut, by the way, in terms of the, the media that you'll still listen to. Debbie is calling. Hi, Debbie. Happy Nurses Day. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Um, I want to just give um, credit to my daughter. She's an RN, and uh, she works ICU in South Orange County Hospital. And she's around the COVID patients all the time, and she has a little baby at home. And she takes such pains when she gets off work, takes her two hours to change into the car, change in the garage, just to get in the house to protect her husband and the baby. And for me to see the baby, she even had the house sterilized two weeks ago so I could come and see the baby. How old is the baby? uh, 16 months, and she's adorable. I used to watch him, but now she doesn't want me to watch him because she's worried for me. And because uh, I'm a compromised, I, I can't volunteer as an RN anymore. So anyway, I just am so proud of her and all the staff, and I just wanted to recognize her today. Yes. Well, thank well, you, thank Debbie, you. and thank, thank you, you Angie. Yes. Lewis is calling. Hi, Lewis. You're on with Gary and Shannon. Good afternoon, Gary and Shannon. Just wanted to do a shout-out to my wonderful sister-in-law, Rebecca Morales-Quintero, who's been a neonatal intensive care uh, preemie baby nurse for 30-plus years for L.A. County. Angels. Who has saved thousands of preemies throughout L.A. County. And she's still doing it. She's still loving her job. And one one special thing that I want to say about her, too, is not only has she helped uh, to save these babies, but the countless hours that she spends educating these young mothers on how to become better parents when they go home with their preemies. And I'm very, very proud of her and what she's done through all the years. Well, we're lucky to have her. Shout out to her. Lewis, thank you for that. 
Thank you for having me, and keep on doing what you're doing. Appreciate okay. it. 800-520-1534, 800-520-1KFI. Tell us uh, which nurse you would like to uh, say a thank you to. Or if you're a nurse, tell us how it's going. Nice to know. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg did participate in a case before the Supreme Court from her hospital room today. As the court continued the historic process of hearing cases remotely, she is at Johns Hopkins. She's being treated for a benign gallbladder condition that caused an infection. She's expected to leave the hospital in a day or two. I'll bet you she's got some good nurse stories as well. She's been in there enough for the last couple of years in the hospitals. Uh, It is National Nurses Day. We've been taking your calls about nurses in your life, or maybe you are a nurse telling us how it's going. 800-520-1534. Tim is calling. Hey, Tim, you're on KFI. Hey, thanks, Gary and Shannon. I appreciate it. I'm a retired fireman, and my daughter and proud father of a daughter at Cedars-Sinai, Taylor Gaines, working every day actually on the COVID floor. And then, Shannon, I must say you have the best laugh I've ever heard in my life when you lose it on the radio. It makes my day. And lastly, I hope little Stevie gets a question today. (laughs) We all do. Thank you, Tim. Tim, Thank you. And thank you, Taylor. Uh, Let's see. Juan is calling. Hi. uh, There you are. Hi, Juan. What's going on? Hi, Gary and Shannon. Thank you guys very much for taking my call. I just wanted to say how proud I am of my... uh, my wife of, of St. Mary's Medical Center, Apple Valley, she's a nurse practitioner specializing in uh, infectious disease. So that's what she does. She's on the COVID floors all day. I find that's nurse awesome. practitioners to be better than doctors in a lot of cases. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> you know what? I tell her that and she gets offended. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> that's great. That's a- just, you know, I call her a doctor and she's like, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Juan, thank you. Thank you for your wife as well. We appreciate it. Uh, Kelly is calling. Hi, Kelly. You're on with Gary and Shannon. Hi. I just wanted to give a shout out to my daughter-in-law, Kelly, um, who's the biggest bad A ER nurse that I know. If you're ever in the hospital, you want her on your side. Um, she's actually lives in Orange County, California, and has a lot of ER experience, but had recently transferred to uh, PACU, and because of all the um, not doing the uh, elective surgeries and stuff, she wasn't working quite as much, but floating to the ER. So she wanted to put her talents to use, and she volunteered to go to New York for eight weeks. Wow. Um, So she's she's there right now. She's there right now. She's been there for four weeks, has another four weeks to go. She's at one of the busiest hospitals in Long Island in the ER. And I'm just so proud of her. And she's just done a remarkable job. We all miss her. Can't wait to see her. Well, thanks for the call, Kelly. Appreciate it. Man, to jump from that straight into the fire, too. Thank you, Kelly. David. Hey, David. Hi, thank you for your show. It's been, uh, I've listened to you for quite a while. Now, my wife is a critical care dialysis nurse. Uh, What does that mean? Well, she, for 30 years, she's been doing uh, like kidney transplants, uh, liver, heart, lungs, and she has to do dialysis. So she's a critical care 
uh, nurse. Now she has got uh, working long hours, seven days a week. The other day she had, what, oh, my gosh, seven patients. And each dialysis treatment takes three to four hours. She's got to get into hazmat suits. I mean, literally, they look like space suits, and it takes an assistant to put her in. And the funny thing is that uh, you can't go to the bathroom. You got to hold that. Wow. David, thank you. Appreciate that. That's uh, Carrie is calling. Hi, Carrie. Hi, how are you doing? Happy Nurses Day. Thank you very much. I'm an OBGYN um, advice nurse and my daughter works day surgery, but we've both been pulled to screen people coming into the hospital and she's been working the COVID units and it's been a very interesting experience. I am so uh, in awe by these mother-daughter calls that we're getting because my mom was a nurse for 35 years and it looked like so much work. It was one of the last things I wanted to do. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, yeah. you really are pouring your your whole uh, your whole heart into that job, and uh, I appreciate it. And it's 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 something when it's a mother daughter uh, story, Carrie. No, thank you very much. Yeah, I was surprised when she made the choice to go into nursing, but I'm very proud of her. Well, very cool, Carrie. Thank you. Appreciate it, Sam. Sam is an ICU nurse here in the Valley. What's going on, Sam? Hey, how's it going? So uh, I just wanted to call in because I I heard the first caller and she was like, oh, it's not that bad, but um, it is pretty bad because it's pretty much about the ICU and there's only a few ICU nurses. So we've had to call in travelers from other states and um, the ICU can be overwhelmed um, really easily and we've had to expand a lot. Yeah, how is in the other parts of the hospital? How has the ratio been? I know it's usually a very small ratio in the ICU. Have you had to increase that? Well, it's two to one, um, two patients to one nurse, but sometimes it's one to one because some of the patients are really sick. Um, but uh, no, we don't we don't do that. That's, okay. Uh, Schwarzenegger put that into law a long time ago that we had nurse ratios, and uh, God bless him for that. I just didn't know if it went by the wayside with the ICUs impacted during all of this, but it's good that you were able to keep that uh, intact. Yeah, we just um, keep it the way uh, the law says, but uh, we've we've had to bring in travelers and we have to bring in uh, people from other places, but that gives me the question, are are they coming from places where, where they're just coming for the money and... They could have used them there. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we we used to have just three ICU units, and now we have five. Well, Sam, thank you for what it is that you're doing. Happy, uh, happy, happy Nurses Day, I guess. And then, Tony, you're going to wrap this up for us. What's going on, Tony? Not much. Hey, I'm a trucker. I'm out in Utah right now coming back to L.A., and this iHeartRadio is the best. I'm able to feel like I'm at home wherever I'm at. It's really cool. But the reason why I called is I wanted to thank you, thank my daughter. She's a caseworker slash nurse. She's the very first person that you see, and she's the one that basically sets up your care. And then she's the last person that you see. She's the one that, that sets up your home care afterwards. Her name is Stephanie. And when she's done, she has to go home. And like everybody else is saying, 
she takes her shower and and changes clothes in the garage because she has three youngsters for herself and her husband and she's just really special and i and i really appreciate it i wanted to send her flowers but they won't do it right now so this is the next best thing awesome tony, tony thanks thank you. for calling thanks for listening and thanks for continuing to drive that truck as well uh we come back justin warsham is going to join us we'll talk about child care when this is going to start uh, perking back up and we're going to see child care once again here until two every day right yeah i'm afraid to make eye contact with you when you're eating your apples because it's <laughs> i just caught myself with like an entire mouthful of apple trying to finish it before we came back you don't have to. I almost choked on that. You apple. don't have to finish it. You could, I know. You could eat a couple of big bites of it. Yeah, I mean, even <laughs> monstrous bites, but a couple, and then put it down. I think I hurt my mouth with that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think, you know what? Those nurses put me in a good mood. It was nice to hear from everyone. Well, your mom was a nurse. Yeah. My wife is studying to be a nurse right now. What does that mean? What you, I just thought you, still, you still have apple in your mouth, don't you? A little apple back there. Uh, yes, and we know a bunch of nurses, and we're friends with nurses. And uh, <clears throat> good, good for you guys. Good to get your day and week. I guess. I guess International Nurses Day is not until next Wednesday. Oh, well, then we'll take calls from nurses abroad. Abroad. Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast, joins us. We are checking in with Justin to see how. Oh. What? Uh, hold what? on, you got. Hold on. Oh, I'm eating a pear. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh-huh. Oh. Pear what? I I don't want to derail us already. Hello, everyone. But uh, I, how long have you guys been working in radio? Just off the top of your head. Are we talking 20 years yeah. now, 30? Where, what's the 20 years plus? Around yeah. there. Now, yeah. is, it, is it a desensitization? I'm not judging. First of all, because, listen, everybody who loves the Gary Shannon and even people who are on the fence that are listening right now, I think found that moment delightful. Uh, but I'm just curious, like, is it desensitization? Like, you just like you just get caught up in the moment and you're like, oh, crap, I need something to eat. I can't, I can't sustain life for another 8 to 10 minutes without another break no no it's the the decision to eat the apple oh it's one of these oh that's right i brought an apple today i'll go get it and then you go get it and then there's an innate timing mechanism if you work in the business long enough you know how long the break is basically yeah yeah um i suppose you could lose it after a certain amount of time but but you basically know how long it's going to go and you know the patterns of a commercial break in that you don't have to listen specifically. You know when the promo starts and the rejoin comes in, yep. and you know your time is is ticking, and your body starts to say, you need to get back to work and perform, which means using your mouth with not food in it. I'd like, so to, then, I'd like to go back to the news and brews when we were at the Oinkster, 
and we were eating hamburgers. Right. And, we, we, and it, you and I put down a burger in about seven seconds because it came to us right as the commercial break was ending. Like yeah. we had like two spots left and we knew it. But we were so hungry that we just inhaled those things like orphans. And, and from from that moment on, we felt like we were in cardiac arrest. <laughs> yes. You can't. You cannot no, do that to a just, human body. I just love that you guys. This is my favorite part of your show. What a many is I just love the idea of what I consider two uh, intellectual giants. Just Nathan's hot dog contest a burger. Like just <laughs> or an apple because it just seems so uh, Neanderthalist, right? Like. <laughs> well. Justin, we're all animals deep down. Yes. And uh, sometimes when you're under the pressure of a commercial break deadline, those animals come out. So. What, are right. we, what are we looking at for a timetable for child care as people uh, continue to work from home, have their kids at home? What do you know? Yeah, this is a new thing that came out because I, I feel like everybody's either, A, like you guys have been talking, starting to get a little tired of it, and they want to shift the narrative, or B, we're actually getting officials like Governor Newsom saying, hey, we're, we're close. It's happening, guys. Uh, so this new thing came out and go, okay, how are we going to approach this? Because technically there are daycare and child care centers that are open, but they've limited class sizes. They've got different procedures, and they've been directed to prioritize people with kids that are essential workers, which I think nobody's going to disagree with. But then it becomes the hard thing of like, okay, so even parents that are dealing with it now, maybe you're working from home or you're working in an office that you can go into, but you don't have childcare. You can't get your kid to uh, go to childcare. uh, And then that hasn't completely opened yet. They're saying mid July, August is when they're talking about not only the schools, this is another thing that I think has really made a lot of parents angry is Governor Newsom just throws out there, maybe we start the school year early. Guys, let's start it in mid-July. <laughs> and, and I don't know. Like, as a parent, there's a part of me that's like, oh, then I don't have to worry about child care during that time that the kid's going back to school. But there's more parents out there who are like, well, they need a break. They need three months of being a child, just a child for a moment. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I think here's the thing. I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, l- listen, to your, your point about, you know, whether this decision comes from the government or from uh, from individual parents and families, there's a lot of it that has to do with personal responsibility. And I feel like the government has taken a lot of the government is assuming that we don't have the ability to take on that personal responsibility. Does that make any sense? I mean, th- that they would it make does. a decision for us as opposed to saying, listen, if you want we're going to allow child care facilities to be part of phase two or whatever, you know, opening phase it would be. Or we'll put a you know, we'll put a start date on it. And if you want, you are more than welcome to, uh, uh, according to our laws, put your child in chair in uh, mommy doesn't love me daycare for an, four hours okay. a day or whatever it is. Well, and then the other part that I think, yes, I agree that, that that most people do have the ability to make that decision, unless you're a little bit more economically strapped. I, I would argue that what if you could go back to work, but you decide I'm going to stay home with my kids because I'm not comfortable with them being in a big, large setting yet. I'm not there yet. And in this like kind of economical, tumultuous time, all of a sudden now you're you're let go. Because can you can you be let go because you decide you don't want to come to work after the COVID? 
Justin, I understand that you've uh, gotten your kids back to their gambling roots that I tried to instill in them uh, that day out at Santa Anita. Yes. So it uh, it only took a short uh, year or so, but we were sitting outside having lunch and um, my son was trying desperately to earn 20 bucks. And so I tell them, I'll thumb wrestle you for it. And so now uh, we do, I don't know how, but it just kind of organically built to where now we have thumb wrestling tournaments on the couch uh, for money. So far, they've only uh, won that $20 once and they're desperately trying to chase that dragon of winning and I'm keeping them losing the, where this all shuts down is if I actually start taking $20 from them every time I win, I'm not that cold hearted, but I'm close. Are you, are you, so you're just running their card right now. You're not using to kick cash. No, it's the thing where it's like, if you could beat dad, uh, and you get as many shots as you want, then dad will give up 20 bucks, but I'm not throwing the match. Like I'm coming, I'm coming for blood. And so you gotta you gotta really come with your A game, and then they started insulting me, saying I have orangutan thumbs right. because I do I have a very long thumb. And you should have thought of that before you jumped into the hand ring with me. You know what I mean? You got if you're gonna come, you better come correct. If you're gonna be my son, otherwise change your last name and move to a different part of the house. Well, they don't. It's not like they have club fingers or anything like that. They're they're your kids, right? Didn't they get any blessings yeah. when it comes to the thumb length? No, it's sad. It's really sad. They have their mother's like little knobby Flintstone toes and fingers. Oh, like it's boy. just it's appalling. God, that's uh, not going to go over. Well. Never play the piano. When I record that and and send it to mm-hmm. Natalie, she is going mm-hmm. to. She's going to uh, leave marks on you. you. Do whatever you do. Do not. Really, finish. that's what you guys do now. You this this bait me into this. Again, I thought this was a safe space. Well, I Gary's we were... been uh, trying to get out of the doghouse that is him completing his wife's puzzle. So he's trying to throw you under the bus so he can. Uh... Okay, that's fair. You know, look, I'll take, better. I'll jump on a grenade for you, Gary. Thank you. Anytime you need me to be, it's not hard, by the way. I mean, he's also clearing out like anaconda levels of lint from a dryer vent. Like mm. what, John, what's up, dude? Justin, Are you okay? Take I, a nap. I cannot wait to tell you that story because you as a guy who would uh, dig deep into the world of uh, dryer lint. That is a, it's an hour long story and I could make it too if it's not, if I'm not careful. When I heard that segment, I was sitting there, I was, I was just imagining it. I was jealous that I wasn't standing there. Like I felt, it's so stupid that I want to just be holding a cold beer going, wow, look at all that lit, man. Good yeah. thing we did that. He's that, got pictures. That's where we've come. Oh. <laughs> Justin, thank you. <sighs> thank you guys. Sorry I lost my train of thought. No, it's great thing. to hear your laugh. <laughs> it's not all I need. I can just send you a drop of it. <laughs> oh, be, that would be nice. We could play it every once in a while. <laughs> Conway used to. Really like that. <laughs> Wait, are no. you guys recording me right now? No, no, we're not. I can't stop. I can't. <laughs> I'm so mad that I was sitting here going, why are they being quiet? And then I go, oh, they're trying to get a clean cut of my laugh, and it made me laugh. <laughs> That's what we do. We Justin love you, Justin. Thank you. By the way, yeah. Jacob's on fire with the drops. Well done, Jacob. Yes, I like did, it when he makes he you guys very well. Good for him. He's got very long orangutan fingers over there. Works out well. Uh, when we come back, Doctor Fauci's erotic novel. Meow. Mm, sexy doctor. Wow, no one has ever said she that. did. The author did. She can't wow. stop calling him sexy. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty live everywhere on the iHeartRadio like, app. Who's wearing those diapers? Governor Newsom is going to hold his normal news conference today at noon. It's gonna happen. 
Whether you like it or not. We will uh, we'll listen to it. I don't think we're going to dip into it, but uh, if you say something interesting or different from what we've been hearing about the reopening on Friday of some businesses, we will let you know. I am an avid reader, but I have yet to come across the book called Happy Endings from 1991. Ah, everybody knows endings from 1991 it was a bestseller actually uh written by sally quinn and it was an an erotic novel it's a juicy romance of a widowed first lady who falls head over heels for a dashing and cutting scientist uh who by the way recently discovered a therapy for aids in the book wait a minute here dr fauci was instrumental in he was this time. Yes, he was. It was about that time. It was 1991 when the book came out. It was about that time that Sally Quinn, the author, first met Dr. Anthony Fauci at a Washington function. They were paired as dinner partners, and she says that Fauci left an impression of earnest brilliance. And she was looking for an inspiration for this new novel she was writing, this erotic novel. And when she met Fauci, she said, she said I just fell in love with him. She said, usually those dinners, you just make polite conversation and that's it. But we had this intense conversation, personal conversation. I thought, wow, this guy's amazing. She says that he was brilliant, compassionate, kind, decent, honest, and sexy. Uh-oh. She said he just exuded charisma. All of the things that the first lady would have fallen in love with. Now, the she happens to be Sadie Gray, the first lady who's travails over the first two novels that Sally Quinn wrote and three presidential administrations would, uh, let's say they were bodice ripper adventures. Mm. Um, bodice rippers. That's what my mom used to call say, them. I can hear that your mom <laughs> saying that. Uh, in this case, they start this long simmering romance that plays out over months at a mostly glacial pace. And this is the most disturbing part about this uh, from the Washingtonian Suffice it to say, readers who are wise to Michael Lanzer's true identity, having been inspired by Anthony Fauci, will more than once find themselves confronted with a very naked Anthony Fauci. His voice is low, melodious, sexy, almost hypnotic. Victor just walked by. He's like, what the <laughs> hell is going on in there? This reminds me of a time uh, when I was at a radio station in Seattle, Cairo. And there were uh, an area of the radio station where there were just a bunch of boxes of old stuff. It was kind of an abandoned part of the floor. And in those boxes were all these old bodice rippers, all these romance novels from the 80s. And we would read excerpts of them in the newsroom. And they are just so hilarious. You can't even imagine like reading this and taking it seriously, right. you know, to the point where you're... You have to put the book down and fan right. yourself like, oh boy, that's yeah. poetic hotness. Mm-mm. Terrible writing. We've had some weird books like that in our... Uh, We've our had office. straight up, like... Dirty. Dirty sex books in our office. Why are they there? And well, who, Kennedy got that basket from the porn company, and then... They're still around from that? I think so. Wow. All right. When we come back, all of our trending <laughs> stories. We have our small business shout out today: Smog City Brewing in Torrance. And whatever happened to those books? You, I think I hope Oscar took them with him. <laughs> um, uh, and what's going to happen when they reopen theme parks? We'll talk about that with Jason Nathanson coming up next hour on Gary and Shannon. 
home where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery available. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 Live, everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. A lot to get to uh, in the next couple of hours, actually. Governor Newsom giving his update today from Sacramento, announced a new way to find out where the testing is available around you. And there's a new website that the state is going to be putting up. We'll hear more from him and uh, hear more from what the state is doing probably by the bottom of the hour. Also, of course, our uh, daily update from Los Angeles County. And the game that we like to play is... Is Steve Gregory going to get a question? Uh, We're on day nine now, officially, of Steve being shut out of asking questions of L.A. County officials. National Nurses Day today, and to show their appreciation, Duncan of Southern California offering a free medium hot or iced coffee and a free donut. No purchase necessary to all health care workers today while supplies last. To date, Duncan has donated more than 47,000 gift cards to those on the front lines of the coronavirus response and counting. Hey, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, Gavin's hair is getting a little long. And hair-related, a salon owner in Dallas who repeatedly defied orders to shut down her salon was sentenced to a week in jail. A Dallas Civil District judge criticized Shelley Luther for keeping her business open last week despite a citation, a cease and desist letter, and a restraining order. And during her hearing, she said that her business was still partially open. The judge scolded her for blatantly disobeying the law. He said the rule of law governs us. People cannot take it upon themselves to determine what they will do and will not do. Her argument is, listen. I don't regret my actions. I'll continue to keep my salon open. If you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision. But I am not going to shut the salon. Seven days in jail, a fine of at least 3500 bucks. Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the news. She's back in the hospital. This time she's got a benign gallbladder condition that caused an infection. And she heard the court's oral arguments today from the hospital by telephone. They say that she'll be out in a day or two. She's 87 years old and has been in the hospital 87 times. Just kidding. Okay, I don't, so I don't nine know. members of the Supreme Court. Um, when I think six of them are over the age of 65. So six of them are considered at high risk of getting uh, coronavirus if they were to meet in person. 
Corona, uh, it's sorry, yes, coronavirus. Coronavirus distancing rules have taken on different suggestions. Early on, there was something uh, that suggested we all stand one Adam Driver apart from each other. Him of the six feet tall Kylo Ren. Canada's Yukon Territory has been asking people to stay one caribou apart from each other. Well, everybody in the Yukon knows how big a caribou is. Oh, do they? They have a sign. Oh, the sign. The caribou. The sign. I think so. (laughs) A cord of wood. uh, The most recent ad, which was released at the end of April, advises people to maintain a distance of one cord of wood. Standard Uh, measurement for chopped firewood, but a cord of wood is actually eight feet long. So... Maybe that's just being extra cautious. In Toronto, they have told people to be the length of one hockey stick away from each other. That's not long enough. They say a measurement that has been updated to three Canada geese. Oh, God. What the hell are we doing? Uh, How about we stay one Adele apart from each other? Adele causing a lot of talk today after she posted a picture of her looking quite svelte. She's 32 today. And she shared a picture of her in a black mini dress, and she looks great. Why do you say it like that? She looked great before. No, that's she's not lost, what you meant. She's lost about 100 pounds. I know what you meant. There have been several articles written up about this. Is it okay for us to celebrate Adele's new figure? Because in doing so, are we putting down her heavier self? Haven't we been through Are we? Enough? Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like we've done a lot of that. Uh, uh, there is a city in Long Island, by the way, or a town, I should say, in Long Island, that is suggesting all of its residents go on diets and exercise because the potential for obesity to have a negative impact if they catch coronavirus. The town of Huntington, Long Island, uh, includes free nutrition advice and free fitness classes for everybody in town. Okay, I love this story. I don't think you're going to like it, though. Because I don't. You... I know exactly. Yes. Yeah, I knew that we would disagree on this. So remember the little boy in Utah, five years old, he wanted a Lamborghini. And mom said, no, I'm not buying you a Lamborghini. Mom and dad took a midday nap. And the five-year-old gets in mom's SUV and decides to drive to California with $3 in his pocket to buy a Lamborghini. I don't know why... He thought that that was a course of action. He's five years old. So anyway, he's a couple miles from his home. He's weaving in that SUV. A trooper pulls him over. And uh, the trooper says that he was almost started to cry, you know, and uh, the, the, the boy didn't know how to drive. So anyway, uh, there was a good life lesson. And the following day after this had made the rounds on the news, fellow Lamborghini aficionado and owner, Jeffrey Neves decided to go to this boy's house and give him a ride in his own Lamborghini. The boy has long dreamed of owning it. He watches YouTube videos of Lamborghinis all day long. And he was finally able to ride in one. And he had a big smile on his face. And the Lamborghini aficionado, Jeremy, says, you know, he had the courage to just go after he wanted after what he wanted, you know? <laughs> I have changed my mind about this, but I'll tell you why. There's one line in the story that makes me change my mind. Jeremy Nevis embraced Aiden and uh, said he, Jeremy said he wanted to cheer up the boy and others in a time that's been filled with negativity and fear and doubt. Exactly. Therefore. It's a sweet story. Therefore, it's a sweet story. But kids out there, 
hey, listen, all you five-year-olds, if you steal your mom's car, it's not going to have a happy ending like this one. Side note, mom and dad said that this kid's been sitting there watching YouTube videos for hours and hours and hours of nothing but luxury cars. I heard that before. At five? At five. Don't. Yeah, you could put any kid in front of a screen. Yeah, but. And they learn quick. Small business. I mean, I said I heard it. I mean, I know you said it. You said it, and I was like, I it's heard fine. that. We don't need to do this. <laughs> small business shout out when we come back. We'll be talking to Smog City Brewing. I want to talk more about uh, Adele. Okay. We can do that uh, in the one o'clock hour. Mm. Are you just trying to change the subject? Yes. Okay. You just did to that pizza what I did to that apple. Like, Jacob came in here to talk to you, and you had, like, a whole mouthful of that pizza. I see what I did. I I paced myself this time. I learned from the apple. You did not. Um, nom, nom, nom. <laughs> <laughs> At the bottom of the hour, we'll get into Swamp Watch, talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C., including this, uh, this idea that uh, Joe Biden's been looking for a running mate uh, and what the rest of the Democratic Party has to say to Joe Biden, even though it's totally his decision. Uh, and then what's going to happen with theme parks when they reopen? We'll talk about that later in the hour as well. Our small business shout out today brought to you by Spectrum Business. Switch to Spectrum Business and get the best Internet and phone for business. Lori Porter joins us now from Smog City Brewing in Torrance. Lori, thanks for the time. I'm sorry, Lori. I hit the button once, but I have big orangutan thumbs and it didn't work. So try again. Lori, <laughs> how are you? And thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you, Gary and Shannon. I appreciate you uh, bringing me on. Hey, uh, we have uh, we have friends who do this thing, this brewing and the beer thing, and we know that when all of this shut down back in the middle of March, it was a huge surprise and it was a huge burden for you guys. What have you been able to do to ch- kind of wiggle around and figure out how you're going to make this work? Uh, well, uh, you guys know that as soon as that safer at home mandate came in and we were told to close. Uh, all businesses sort of had to take a creative look at their business, say, how can we move forward and still generate revenue, create um, employee positions, um, and still stay under the regulations, you know, do it, do everything safely and make sure our customers are safe and our employees are safe. So we um, immediately, within about six hours, were able to get um, home delivery up and running. All three of our tap rooms turned into uh, to-go sales only. The whole structure of the tap room shifted to how – Customers could approach us, how they could order their beers um, and do so in a way that would protect them and us. And um, and then we also went into California statewide shipping, which we had never done in the whole nine years of our existence. And we're shipping beer all over California. <laughs> what is the story behind Smog City Brewing? How did you start? Oh, it started nine years ago with my husband and I. He um, has been in the brewing industry as a brewer for, I think he's now up in 15, 15 years um, started off in some, some local brew pubs and moved through um, the system. And uh, we and I always wanted to open a business together. You know, we knew that we had worked well for the last 
12 years of our relationship. And um, when he got into beer, we realized that this was really the thing that kind of catalyzed us together, that we had complementary skills. Um, the industry was in a perfect place for it. Um, L.A. was considered a black hole of craft beer in 2009, which is when we first started uh, our business plan. And by the time we opened in 11, there were only 13 breweries in the city. So we were um, the 13th. And then now in uh, nine years later, there's over 95 of us. Wow. wow. Well, God bless all yeah. every single one of you. Um, talk to me about talk to me about kegs. I know that that's been an issue as well, where kegs yeah. that were slated to go out to restaurants and, and big events. You guys had to you, you didn't just sit on those, did you? No. So um, so that is a huge impact on our business. We had beer slated for uh, Disney California Adventure. We had beer slated for um, uh, Coachella. We had a handshake with Dodger Stadium. We're selling beer at the StubHub Center. And, of course, as soon as uh, all the bars and restaurants closed, our distributor had no more outlets for those kegs. So I wish I could show you my brewery right now. It's like the Grand Canyon of kegs just sitting there waiting, but they're all empty, luckily. Um, Most of the beer was in tanks getting ready to be packaged. So we did a lot of um, pivoting in that moment. You know, instead of uh, releasing the beer in cans, we started releasing them in crawlers online for home delivery and through our tap room. And luckily, most of it is um, is finding homes. You know, at this point, we don't have a lot that's going to go to waste at the end of this, but um, but there definitely is a significant amount that's sitting in warehouses with our distributor that we don't know what's going to happen to it. So, yeah, yeah, that's a huge impact. Your labels are beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. We are um, artists by trade. My husband and I are both photographers, um, went to art school in Philadelphia, and uh, and then we're also avid art collectors, especially um, younger, new artists. And so when we started our brewery, um, we really saw a connection between the art of craft beer and the hand quality, the the art behind making this product, and then also wanted to, to bring that in with our labels to sort of showcase that we really feel like this is a, an artistic effort. You know, it's not just a business. It's not just a, an engineering feat, you know, which it also is, but it also has personality and creativity imbued in all of the, all the bottles. Now, you guys are also, you mentioned this earlier, you're talking about uh, delivery throughout the state. Do you believe, yeah. do you believe that these, you know, uh, the tap room to go sales, uh, the, the delivery, do you think that's going to stay the way it is after things kind of resolve over the next couple of months? Uh, that's the million-dollar question, right? <laughs> um, I think that it's going to be a slow creep back to normal. I don't think that um, home delivery is going anywhere, and I don't think California shipping is going anywhere. I think that people are going to need it for a long time. Um, they're going to be thankful for it. Uh, we're going to have some customers that come back into our tap rooms, but I do believe that there is going to be a long tail of people still seeking that comfort, the safety of having beer delivered to their homes. All right, Lori. Lori Porter with Smog City Brewing in Torrance. Thanks so much for uh, for coming on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You can order stuff on their website, smogcitybrewing.com. Uh, if you are within the delivery area, there's one for L.A. County and then there a different one for the rest of the uh, the rest of the state. But they'll deliver within a couple of days. So if you've got a plan for 
Well, I was going to say a party. They'll deliver uh, to the Valley, Pasadena, San Fern- uh, San Gabriel Valley. All over the place. Yeah. Smogcitybrewing.com. You can check out their delivery plans. They've got T-shirts and other swag that you can buy. Uh, also on Instagram, Smog City Beer. On Facebook, Smog City Brewing. Uh, and then on Thursdays, they do a virtual happy hour on Zoom where they get a couple of beers each week and they do a, a tasting, basically, with people, the people who work there and fans of the tap rooms, et cetera. All right, we will dive into Swamp Watch when we come back to Gary and Shannon. recent survey from the AP Nork Center for Public Affairs Research found that people of color not only have been harder hit by this coronavirus, but they're also bearing the brunt of the financial impact. Poll found 61% of Hispanic Americans say they've experienced household income loss. That's compared to 46% of Americans overall. I don't know anybody who hasn't suffered some amount of income loss from all this, unless you're working at a Costco or a Home Depot or a grocery store or something yeah. like that. Um, <clears throat> KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. It's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Swamp Watch. Well, despite all of the uh, coronavirus headlines, there's still a presidential election that's coming up in a few months. Um, There was a a side note to that. The New York Democratic presidential primary must take place in June, according to a judge, uh, because canceling the June 23rd New York primary would be unconstitutional and deprive presidential candidates Bernie Sanders and Andrew Yang of their proper representation at the Democratic convention. This district judge ruled because lawyers for Bernie Sanders and Andrew Yang argued that they otherwise would be harmed irreparably. She says there's enough time before the primary to plan to do this safely and acknowledge that the reason that it was canceled, the spread of COVID-19, was an important state interest, but that she was unconvinced that it justified infringing the people's right to vote, especially since every voter can uh, request and use an absentee ballot. So um, it's interesting in terms of the the arguments about when and how we vote and and why and how important it is did you hear about the president's trip to that uh that plant yesterday the honeywell plant yeah and apparently he uh wasn't wearing a mask when he spoke with reporters so he was asked about that and he said he wore a mask while visiting the plant for a period of time backstage um, Backstage. but he said he added that he asked the head of Honeywell if he needed a mask and they told him no. When asked why he wasn't wearing a mask in the Oval Office, he responded he was just trying to be nice to nurses, but he gets criticized. I don't know what that means. It's a non sequitur. But uh, apparently during this plant tour, they played a cover of Guns N' Roses' Live and Let Die. 
Yeah, I don't know what that means. I saw the, the the whole playlist was on, you know, it's just loud rock music that they were playing in the plant at the time. God Bless America, or God Bless the USA, uh, Eye of the Tiger as well. But Live and Let Die, when I first saw that, it sounded as if someone there was trying to make a statement. Yes, 100%. But if you're also playing Eye of the Tiger, that doesn't make any uh that doesn't that lessens whatever impact you thought may have been in there. The president right after he said that the task force would be uh, no more, the coronavirus task force in Washington would be no more. He said it would continue on, but would focus more and more on rebooting the economy. And as the change went from coronavirus focused with doctors to the economy, I would assume economists, the team will change gradually as well. Yeah, and he says um, that we may add or subtract people to it as appropriate. The task force will also be very, very focused on vaccines and therapeutics. Um, you could probably make a couple different task force task task forces tasks forces. Never mind. Yeah, you could probably keep one on the health front and have another one on the economic front. Who is Joe Biden going to choose as a running mate? Washington Post says that he's under a lot of pressure from different branches within the Democratic Party as he tries to figure out who's going to run for vice president along with him. He He's already said he would pick a woman. Black Democrats are trying to get him to urge him to pick a black woman. Um, former Georgia gubernatorial, uh, gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams has been blunt in saying she would accept the job. And then Kamala Harris, on the other hand, has let others advocate for her. Uh, Others, now listen, they're saying that the other wing of this party, the liberal wing of the party, wants him to pick a more liberal running mate, regardless of color. So some people have been backing Elizabeth Warren as a running mate. Uh, others have said that they need to he needs to pick someone even more liberal than Elizabeth Warren. What, what's that? I don't know. I guess a, a AOC, perhaps. No. But then she'd come from the she would come from that wing that they're calling progressive at that point. He's said to have a list of as many as twelve different candidates. Much of the focus has been centered on the handful of former people running for president, including Elizabeth Warren, uh, Amy Klobuchar, Kamala Harris. A former governor of Pennsylvania, Ed Rendell, says he is in a quandary being Biden. Some days I wake up and I say, we've got to win Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and, and Michigan. Klobuchar would be a great candidate. But then he says, I think black voters feel strongly that it should be a black women's, a woman. So I think Kamala. Uh, Al Sharpton was on the phone with Biden uh, recently trying to get him to pick a black woman. And He said, you know, I told him I would prefer a black woman, but I'm not making an ultimatum. I trust he'll make the right judgment. Apparently, Biden said, I hear you, Al. And then Sharpton went on to say that uh, it's all about mobilizing black voters, that that should be the central goal of the campaign. He points out Hillary Clinton lost Michigan by 12,000 votes. He says three churches I know could have given that in Detroit alone. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's not that Joe Biden's not going to win the black vote. It's by how much he's going to win the black vote. And I wonder if that's if that plays into it. But Stacey Abrams, as much of a uh, a very popular person that she may be in personality within the Democratic Party, you don't go from being a state representative, I think state representative in Georgia, to the vice, vice president. president. Um, there's There's got to be some executive experience, I think. 
uh, or at least, you know, sort of a higher level than that, some Senate, uh, even House representative time that's spent before you can become uh, uh, the, the second in line to the presidency. Or especially with a candidate like Joe Biden, who seems uh, that he's nearing weekend at Bernie's they, levels day after day. They're having the same conversations that we that people were having about John McCain 12 years ago. Right. Uh, all right. When we come back, what is it going to look like when you go back to a theme park, whenever that might be? We'll talk about what uh, theme parks have been doing and how bad it's been for Disney in the last couple of months. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Gavin Newsom giving his daily update, announcing a new website for people that want to get tested for coronavirus. He says it'll contain information about testing sites where you can schedule to get tested. So the focus is going to be on rural areas, the inner city, who may have not, uh, people who have not maybe had appropriate access to testing. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what Trish is uh, responding to. It may have been you accusing me of making a mess of the pizza product that we just ate. What did he or she say? Trish said, you guys are silly and I love it. Oh. Uh, I'm working from home, listening all the time. Nice to have a break in the seriousness of life and hear some laughter and levity. That's nice. Yes. But I do feel a little tum-tummy. I know, me too. We've made... (laughs) You know, we just are not animals. <laughs> we, not we animals. It's to, just when in a commercial break, when you add pressure to people, they start showing their true natures. We need to work on our pace of eating. I think um, we've, um, we've, um, we've learned that today because that wasn't one piece of pizza. It was two. No, it was one. No, it was like a sandwich. It was one that was flipped over. It's it was a called papadilla. a papadilla. papadilla. We were talking about them a couple of weeks ago. Producer Michelle thought it would be a great idea to. Uh, to impose some sort of gastrointestinal strain upon us to see what it's like <laughs> in the last hour. It's so going to be interesting. We ate it. We ate it. Did you dip it in the garlic sauce? No. no. Nick, we're not animals, I like I said. We had the well, marinara sauce. Oh, you had the marinara. I had garlic. It was like just butter. How are you doing in your tum-tum? I'm good. I had a brownie, too. <laughs> Tum-tum's good. Well, uh, good news, if you want to call it that. Uh, when Disneyland <laughs> reopens, it's going to look different. We now that uh, we know that Disneyland Shanghai is going to reopen, I think, next week. ABC's Jason Nathanson has been covering this story. You want to give your quick uh, disclaimer that you work for the mouse? I do. So this, these, are, these are my bosses we're talking about. This is my company, and it's money, so please don't fire me. That's my, that's <laughs> my disclaimer there. Well, what do we know about the reopening of the theme parks? Uh, so Shanghai is going to open May 11th, next week, and that's going to be the first park to reopen. That was the first park to close back in January. And what they're saying is that when people are allowed back in, there's going to be temperature checks for park visitors and employees as well, mandatory mask usage. Capacity is going to be way down, uh, 30% uh, to less than 30%, from 80,000 a day to uh, down to 24,000 or so a day. And that's if people show up. We still don't know if, you know, if people actually want to go to theme parks or not. And that'll kind of be, we'll monitor that and we'll see 
what that turns into or how that uh, affects when Disneyland reopens. We don't know when that's going to be. We don't know when the U.S. parks are going to be open or the parks in Europe as well. So Shanghai will be the first one, and that'll be a bellwether. Well, one of the things that uh, Nick was throwing around today was that each individual ride would be run like they had run Rise of the Resistance at uh, here at Disneyland, where you've got to get in there. You got you know you basically sign up for a time via the Disneyland app. Yeah, and and, and things will be staggered. I I, I don't think they're going to put people right next to people. They're going to try to encourage social distancing as much as possible, which for something like a Disneyland experience is very tough. Now with so much so many uh, fewer people at the park, that'll make it easier. Uh, and you won't have to wear the masks when you're eating, uh, I'm told, So, because that would be pretty tough. Also, in entertainment world speak, you have seen the new Michelle Obama documentary on Netflix, huh? I have, Becoming, which is out today, and I really, really liked it. I thought it was great, and I wasn't sure what to expect or if it would be – I mean, going into it, I wasn't very excited to see it, and I, I don't know why. It just didn't seem like some I, – I, I didn't know if I would find out anything new about her or about what she's going through. Uh, but I, it's, first of all, very funny. She's very funny. Her interactions with, uh, with everybody is very funny. It follows her as she goes on her book tour for the latest book. Um, and it goes around to many different cities. She has conversations with Oprah Winfrey, with Stephen Colbert, with Gail King, and, and, and a bunch of people. And they cherry-pick some of the best parts of those conversations. And really funny stuff, some insightful stuff. And also, as she's going around talking to people, she's also meeting with a lot of young people uh, at these events and talking to them about hope and inspiration and how she got to where she is. Uh, racial issues and things like that. I found it was not very political, not overtly so. I'm sure people on different sides of the political spectrum will find it uh, more political than others. Uh, but I didn't, you know, they're not talking about Trump. They're not bashing Trump. They're not talking about what's going on in today's day and age, uh, which is jarring to watch when you're watching something like that. You keep expecting everything we're going through to come up, but this was obviously filmed well before that. But I found it very insightful, uh, very funny, uh, and, and hopeful as well. well. That's awesome. What else are you watching to keep your uh, keep your mind off of the rest of the world? Uh, oh, well, The Last Dance is probably oh, so uh, <laughs> at the top of the list, and I, I keep waiting for those episodes to come out. I, I'm very happy for Sundays. when You those know, there, there was a time in our lives when we had to wait, and we only got one episode every week. I know. Instead of even two episodes a week. Jason, I read that uh, the makers of The Last Dance were shocked that MJ signed off on the stuff that's in the next couple episodes this next yeah, Sunday. Sunday. Sunday's going to be really explosive. Yeah. Michael Jordan was a, a, a producer on that, and he had final say over what could be included in the cut and what couldn't be included. And we've seen some interesting stuff so far, but I don't know if there's been anything that was necessarily explosive. But Sunday is supposed to really rock the boat. So very much looking forward to that. Me too. Awesome. Jay Nat, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, take care. Jason Nathanson there covering a bunch of stuff for us and for KBC, uh, for ABC News. Um, when we come back, we're going to get our update from Los Angeles County, today being the ninth business day that Steve Gregory will have an opportunity to ask a question. It was nine business days ago the last time he was allowed a question by L.A. County. So we'll see how it goes a little bit later today. Up next on Gary and Shannon.
Gary and Chan and KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. A couple of big stories that we have been following. The uh, president did reverse course, it looks, a bit on the coronavirus task force. There was some uh, talk yesterday that the task force would be disbanded to a large degree after Memorial Day. But what he reversed and said today in a tweet was that we will see an indefinite continuation of the coronavirus task force, but it's going to focus more on rebooting the economy and that over the course of the next several days and weeks, we will see some people swapped out uh, where some of the doctors and more medically minded people would be moved out in an attempt to get in some more uh, economically minded people to get the country rebounded, uh, the COVID comeback, whatever you want to call it. I was trying to think of a Great I'm, af- I'm afraid of not... COVID comeback for when it comes back, if it should <laughs> come back. The, that's a good point. Never thought of that. <laughs> uh, German officials have cleared the way for some restaurants and hotels and stores to reopen in the coming weeks. Um, the largest soccer league in Germany is about to resume play as well. They put in place today a requirement for regions, though, to reimpose restrictions if coronavirus infections do rebound. Around here locally, Newport Beach has reopened its beach because state officials approved its plan to allow active recreational use between the hours of 5 a.m. and 10 p.m. So that's good news. It looks like the state's being pretty logical when it comes to cities coming to it and the administration with some sort of plan for social distancing. It looks like... Of course, the governor ordered all Orange County beaches closed last week, but many cities have now reached agreements to reopen, including San Clemente, uh, Laguna Beach, Huntington Beach, Dana Point, Seal Beach, and now Newport. Um, That going forward, I think, is going to be a huge test of how the governor handles what's coming up, because in these next few days and maybe week, week and a half, you're going to see a lot more of those local governments come to him and say, listen, we've got a plan. We know what we want to do. Let's do it. Yuba and Sutter counties are probably the better examples of those. But they did it without an approval from the governor. They just said, we're going to open. We're going to throw the doors open and then ask for, you know, they're going to ask for forgiveness later as opposed to asking for permission. I saw this. I thought you might find it interesting. Let me just quick note, the okay. L.A. County update pushed to 130. That's, right. So we're going to wait for Dr. Ferrer later on in the hour. Uh, my alma mater, Novato High School, is going to have in-person graduation, they announced today. The principal of Novato High says it's important to recognize the hard work of the class of 2020 to celebrate students' accomplishments. There are parents who have concerns. They feel it's too soon for such a large gathering. They do it out there on the football field. Uh, They do say the in-person graduation will take place Friday, August 7th at the stadium. There's nothing wrong with that. In August? The ceremony will be from 5 to 6 p.m. That's Uh, not a very long ceremony. How many people are, how many graduating seniors y'all got there at Novato High, the home of the murder hornets? Longer than an hour, if I remember. It takes forever. I wonder if that means and it's that always they, damn hot. They're altering the whole the whole plan for what it's going to look like. Yeah. Um, my uh, my daughter, of course, graduating senior. We assume she's going to make it because everybody is. Um, but the um, the assumption that we have right now is and this was a message from the, the school district itself that they have been asking for 
permission to do a graduation late in July instead yeah. of first week of June. It would be late in July. And great, except it's going to be 117 degrees. Yeah. But I'm willing to sit through that, in you know, because I'll start it at 8 o'clock or whatever. They, they start it so it's later at night. But the idea that they – They've asked for. They haven't been told no. That's that's the way that they sold it to the parents so far. Is we haven't been told no, but we can't confirm anything because we don't know what the next couple of weeks will entail. Well, that's the thing. It's like this wait and see approach. I think a lot of people are putting throwing dates out there. You know, we were talking about Ireland shutting down the pubs until August tenth, and now this school saying uh, August seventh. That sounds good. We should be we should be good to go by August, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I well, think that's just kind of the feeling. And remember, it was weird when the governor said that we're going to shut things down and he's going to issue this statewide safer at home order. And it was going to be a couple of weeks and we're going to see how it goes. And then it turned into a giant S show for a couple of weeks where we have absolutely no idea how many people in the state are infected with coronavirus or have been infected with coronavirus because we simply don't have the testing capacity that we would need to do it. And that's not a knock on the governments or the doctors or anybody who's setting this up. It's just there's no reasonable way for you to expect to be able to test even, I don't know, uh, a quarter of the state of California. There's no way we're going to get 10 million tests within the first few weeks. So even if by August 1st, say, we've got a third of the state that's been tested either for for actual coronavirus that they're down with the symptoms or the antibodies that they had been exposed to it at some time. Some people are going to believe that even that's not uh, that's not enough to reopen a lot of the retail stores, services, trailheads, whatever, whatever it may be. I have to think that just based on the the science of virology and the science of other viruses that we've seen, whether it's a coronavirus or a different kind of normal flu virus that we see pass through every civilization as long as we can remember, weather is a giant factor in that. And in Southern California, we're going to go through weeks where, I mean, this is an example. It's going to be 100 degrees today in the valley. And we're going to see a bunch of different times where these these you know peaks when it comes to temperature and sunshine and things like that are going to destroy if you're outside and you have your windows open, for what, for example, they're going to destroy this virus before it can infect people. And you're going to see the transmission rates go way down, even if this is one of the most efficient viruses in terms of transference from one person to another. So I, I'm good for them. I'm glad that that's uh, – I'm glad that they're at least putting it out there. And I hope that other places will uh, will follow suit because, hey, if nothing else, gives people something to look forward to. If you don't know when baseball season is going to start, if you don't know if football season's ever going to start, if you don't know these things, there's a lot of people out there that that adds to the uh, the mental weight that has already been put on them. So, do you hear about this shooting in Brunswick, Georgia? Yeah, I watched that video. Have you seen the video I'm yet? I'm just watching it right now. It's the shooting uh, of Ahmad Arbery, 25 years old, was jogging in Georgia, was chased in. And gunned down by a, a father and son who were looking for a burglary suspect. That's what we do now is we ride around and pick up trucks with a couple of guns and then look for a burglary suspect. I, I guess this is going on. And by the way, the suggestion that there weren't witnesses to this makes no sense because somebody in a car that was following them 
took video of the confrontation. It happened in February. The video was just released yesterday by a local TV station. Since the shooting, no one's been arrested. No one's been charged. We'll talk about it when we come back. Darian Shannon, we'll continue in a second. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. That was not English. Bottom of the hour, Los Angeles County gives its update. Uh, They had to move it by half an hour to find a new way to avoid Steve Gregory's questions, so we'll see how that goes Why do you hate Espanol? What? You said that wasn't English. Is this Camila Cabello? Yes. Or Camilla Cabello? Can I get an official pronunciation on that? I think it's Camilla. I think it's Camilla. I called her Camilla the other day. Then I corrected myself. Then I was confused. Right. <laughs> Why is the double L in the first name pronounced one way, but in the last name it's pronounced a different way? Well, she only has one L in her first name. Mm-hmm. Oh, she does? Yeah, oh, that's why I've I had been... to correct myself. No wonder she's not responding to my letters. <laughs> I keep writing it wrong. We are going to get L.A. County's update coming to you around 1.30 here on the coronavirus front. A big story making a lot of headlines today uh, in May is the shooting of a man in Georgia in February. This was a man who was out for a run like he often was out for in uh, area Brunswick, uh, Georgia there. Ahmad Arbery is his name. And the reason it's getting headlines now is because video was just released from the family's attorney And it was a local radio station that posted the video. And it clearly shows that there should be investigation into what happened in that neighborhood. What's particularly frustrating is that it didn't happen until the video came out. How is this not looked into? Now, there were two two district attorneys who, uh, I guess, stepped aside in this case. And... The current DA that's gone through this, uh, Durden, all I have is uh, Tim Durden, Atlantic Circuit District Attorney Tim Durden. And he inherited the case because the original DA of Brunswick, Jackie Johnson, she recused herself because one of the people involved in the shooting, Greg McMichael, was once an investigator in her office. So that went on to the Waycross Judicial District Attorney George Barnhill. George Barnhill recused himself. Because his son is an assistant DA in Glynn County. I don't know why that would recuse, but whatever. It goes up to, like I said, the uh, Atlantic Circuit District Attorney Tim Durden, who announced yesterday, again, the shooting was, what did you say, February? February. Yesterday that he's going to take the case to the grand jury and asked the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to officially investigate. Here's what it looks like. Like I mentioned, Ahmad Arbery spent a lot of his spare time running for exercise in Brunswick. And that was the case February 23rd when he's jogging through the neighborhood he's in and George or I'm sorry, Gregory McMichael spots him, believes he looks like a suspect in a spate of recent break-ins, so he calls his son Travis They arm themselves with a handgun and a shotgun, and they chase Ahmad in a truck. And 
Gregory McMichael told police that he shouted to Ahmad, stop, stop, we want to talk to you. And they pull up beside him in their truck. There may have been a third person involved in the pursuit, the person who I'm assuming is filming in a car behind the truck. Uh, Travis steps out of the truck with his shotgun. Yeah, so Travis Travis steps out of the truck with his shotgun. It stands in front of the truck. Like the truck stops, he goes in front of the truck. Dad, Greg McMichael, armed with a handgun, is standing up in the bed of the truck. And when he runs up, Behind them, they had pulled in front of Ahmed Arbery. He goes around the right side of the truck, and for some reason, and you don't see what happens because the video is not very, uh, it it doesn't track him very well. He and uh, Travis McMichael emerge from the front of the truck after you hear at least one shot or one shotgun blast. It's hard to distinguish based on what's in the video. And then you see Ahmed and Travis struggling, Travis holding a shotgun. There's yeah, at the least guns two are, other the shots. The guns are out. It's yeah. not like the guns uh, are, are not there. I mean, this guy's jogging down a street, and suddenly these two white guys with their guns out start screaming at him, stop, stop, we want to talk to you. The hell kind of ass backwards thing is this? That, 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 that's the line so far that pisses me off the most. Is that Greg McMichael tells police that, oh, I told him, stop, we want to talk to you. Well, who the hell are you? You're not a police officer. You're a crazy guy in a truck holding a shotgun. I wouldn't stop either. Why would he have to stop and talk to you? Why is that justification for what the hell you're doing? These guys are going away. I, I Listen, it, this is a horrific. Why wasn't it investigated? I mean, I get that there were offices recusing themselves, but that was February. The, the Brunswick NAACP president, John Davis Perry, says, as citizens of the Glynn County community, we expect justice to be done swiftly and immediately. He called for the dismissal of the police chief in that county, John Powell. He's currently on administrative leave in uh, with pay in Glynn County after being indicted on charges of three counts of violating oath of office, two counts of influencing a witness, one count of criminal attempt to commit a felony. Those are from an unrelated case, but... They're concerned that this guy already, what they assume is a dirty cop, would never have handled this. Uh, would never have handled this right in the first place. That's it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's insane. Like the from start to finish, this guy uh, Greg McMichael, thinking that he sees a burglary suspect and decides to not call nine one one to have police investigate. I'm as, as racist as that is on its face already, uh, but calls his son and says, "Hey." Bring bring the guns with you. We're gonna we're gonna chase this guy down, and then confront him in the street, and shoot him, and kill him point blank. The hell? Yeah, I understand the mentality. Uh, all right. When we come back, uh, the latest from L.A. County. We'll get an update from uh, Dr. Barbara Ferrer and see how things are going when it comes to coronavirus locally. Gary and Shannon will continue. You don't know your- Willie Mays is 89 today. You're just going to make me sad. He played in parts of 22 played, played what? Seasons. He played what? He played what in parts of 22 seasons? Outfield. He played what? 
660. He played baseball. Career home runs. Baseball, Ray. Fifth on the all-time list. And through it all, there's been baseball, except through this. You need to pull it together. There's been baseball. I told you I'd play catch with you if you wanted to <sighs> the glove in. I did, and we did. Remember, you threw the ball and you almost hit somebody with it. It was opening day. Yes. I didn't hit anybody. You almost did. I don't remember yes, that. Yes, somebody coming around the corner in the hall and you, you just... Well, they should have looked out. They should have been safer at home. <laughs> I just pulled something, I think, laughing. <laughs> you made yourself laugh to the point that it hurt? You surprised yourself with your own laugh. I, I did. I surprised myself with my own humor. Uh, Get it safer at home? Count, yes. Okay. County Supervisor Chair Catherine Barger is at the podium down in uh, the Hall of Administration. She's just turned the podium over. To Dr. Barbara Ferrer. So when Mr. Wipey McWiperson with his mask and gloves is done wiping down the podium, Dr. Ferrer will take over and give us some numbers. Uh, good some afternoon, numbers everyone. And, and thank you so much, Supervisor Barger, and to the entire board of supervisors. You guys are doing a great job. As we've We're worked together. so lucky to be um, led by such a great uh, board. Uh, your leadership Fantastic has made leadership. the safety and the health Wonderful. and well-being God, of our the LA County. Blah, 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 blah. Numbers, and Barb. we all owe you a debt, a debt of, of gratitude. gratitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to start by saying happy uh, National Nurses Day to all of our amazing nurses. We already did that. Uh, nurses dedicate their lives to helping people, uh, caring for people, and skillfully treating people uh, when they're having their worst moments. And their contribution to all of our lives cannot be overstated. Uh, now more than ever, they are our heroes. Uh, What they're doing every day is not only saving lives, but it's incredibly brave. So to all of our nurses, we are so grateful for you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And I want to update you on our current status. Uh, I am sad to report 55 additional people have died from COVID-19. 41 of the people who passed away are over the age of 65, and 27 of the people who were over the age of 65 and passed away had underlying health conditions. 12 people who died were between the ages of 41 and 65, and 11 of the 12 people who died in this age group had underlying health condition. Information on the one death reported by the city of Pasadena and the one death reported by the city of Long Beach are available on their websites, cityofpasadena.net and longbeach.gov. This unfortunately brings the total number of deaths to 1,367 across all of L.A. County. Our hearts are with all of you who have lost a loved one to COVID-19. We are so very sorry for your loss, and we do hope you find healing and peace at this very difficult time. 92% of the people who have died from COVID-19 had underlying health conditions. So if you have an underlying health condition, this would include chronic lung disease, serious asthma, a heart condition, HIV, or another illness that affects your immune system, it is so important as we enter into recovery that you still do your very best to stay home as much as possible, to avoid close contact with others, and if you begin to feel ill, to please call your provider. 
If you don't have a provider, just as a reminder, please call 211 and they can connect you to health care providers in your community. For the 1,260 people who passed away where race and ethnicity has been identified, 39% are Latino or Latinx, 28% are white, 19% are Asian, 12% are African American, 1% are Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. And as a reminder, uh, we continue to post uh, our action plan on our website at publichealth.lacounty.gov about how we can work together to make sure that this disproportionality does not continue to adversely affect some members in our communities. Uh, today, we're reporting 851 new cases. Uh, this brings the total number of positive cases in L.A. County to 28,644 people. The 28,644 people we're reporting include 789 people that were reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach. This is their total number of cases. And 482 total cases reported by the city of Pasadena, which have independent city health departments. We're also reporting 204 confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness. Uh, slightly over half of these uh, people who are positive and uh, were experiencing homelessness were sheltered uh, where they're now appropriately isolated and their close contacts are quarantined. The majority of people, again, who uh, were experiencing homelessness and tested positive for COVID-19 were sheltered as guests at the Union Rescue Mission, where every guest was in fact tested. We are conducting now 17 investigations at different shelters, and we identify the staff and the guests at each location that need testing, isolation, and quarantine. And I want to really give a, a huge uh, shout out uh, to the folks at Housing for Health who have spent an inordinate amount of time uh, trying to make sure that we have appropriate places uh, for people to go who are experiencing homelessness and need um, to be isolated and or quarantined. Um, we have 5,142 people that tested positive for COVID-19 who have been at some point during their illness hospitalized. And this is 18% of our positive cases. Uh, 1,828 people uh, who are positive for COVID-19 are currently hospitalized. 29% of the people are in the ICU and 19% are on ventilators. Yesterday, I noted that we had had four consecutive days of a slight de decrease in uh, the number of hospitalizations. Uh, unfortunately, with today's data, uh, we have slightly increased again the number of people uh, positive for COVID-19 who are in our hospitals. We have investigated a total of 348 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings where there's at least one confirmed or suspect case of COVID-19. The residential settings, as I've noted, include our nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supported living, and correctional facilities. And the non-residential settings include workplaces, food and retail, and educational settings. The total number of confirmed cases in our institutional settings is now up to 6,823 people. Uh, 4,258 of the people with confirmed cases are residents and 2,565 are staff. I'm really sad to report 
that 682 people who were living in institutional settings have, in fact, passed away from COVID-19. And this now represents 50% of all of our deaths. The vast majority of the people who passed away were residing in our skilled nursing facilities. Uh, and my heart again goes out to all of the loved ones of the people who have passed. And I hope you know that uh, one of our most important priorities today is to reduce the outbreaks and the heartache that's happening in our institutional settings where our most vulnerable residents reside. We are reporting uh, 290 confirmed cases at some point in our jail facilities. This is 198 among people who are incarcerated and 92 among staff. The Sheriff's Office is reporting today for their facilities. There are 141 people who are incarcerated and have tested positive for COVID-19, 57 people who are incarcerated and have recovered, 253 people who are incarcerated who are in isolation, and 3,773 people who are incarcerated and are quarantined. Uh, we thank the Sheriff's Office uh, for providing us uh, with this information. There are 146 cases in the state prison, 107 are among people who are incarcerated, and 39 are among staff. And there are 539 cases in the federal, in the federal prison facilities, and this includes 529 amongst people who are incarcerated and nine among staff. The vast majority of people who are positive uh, for COVID-19 who are incarcerated are at Terminal Island, uh, where everybody was tested. We do post daily information by facility, and this does include the number of positive and suspect cases, as well as the number of people who have died among residents and staff. Uh, and you can see this updated report every single day on our website. Um, so please go to the Department of Public Health website at publichealth.lacounty.gov. And you also can see our dashboard, our interactive dashboard on that very same site. The L.A. County Sheriff's Department is reporting 96 positive cases among staff. Uh, 206 of their staff are quarantined and 1,016 of the staff have returned to work. And the L.A. County Fire Department is reporting that they've had 83 staff members tested for COVID-19, 18 tested positive, 6 are still isolated at home, and 17 have returned to work. I want to thank Sheriff Villanueva and Chief Osby for providing us with this data every single day. There are over 191,000 people uh, who have been tested for COVID-19, and their test results have been sent uh, to the L.A. County Department of Public Health. 13% of the people who were tested uh, were positive. A reminder, if you're looking to get tested, there are appointments that are available at the regional testing sites. You do need to make an appointment online, so you can go to covid19.lacounty.gov slash testing. Uh, today, as Supervisor Barger announced, uh, we are going to share with you uh, the county's roadmap for recovery. Um, and uh, and there will be some slides. I do want to note um, that these, uh, this slide deck will be posted again on our website uh, for those of you who may not have easy access uh, to viewing uh, as I'm talking today. Um, but as uh, Supervisor Barger noted, uh, starting on Friday, we will be relaxing the safer-at-home order 
and beginning the journey of reopening in stages non-essential businesses and services. I want to thank the supervisors, the mayors, the sector work groups, uh, all of the other county departments. I want to particularly thank uh, the Department of Public Health employees, all who have helped inform uh, the roadmap I'm about to present. Uh, the leadership has been tremendous, and the wise counsel uh, from all has been much appreciated. Um, so our discussion today, and I'll take the first slide, the next slide. Uh, our discussion today uh, will uh, ha I'll walk through the safeguards we're putting in place as we enter recovery, how the recovery process works, the stages for reopening businesses and services in L.A. County, and the metrics or the measures that we will use throughout our recovery to assess how well we're doing at slowing the spread of COVID-19. And I did talk a little bit about this yesterday. Next slide. Over the past couple of weeks, uh, we've talked about the safeguards that we need to have in place as we enter recovery. So just as a reminder, the first is that we need to be sure there's adequate capacity in our healthcare system. And this means that we need adequate healthcare staffing, ventilators, personal protection equipment, and testing capacity at our hospitals. It also means maintaining surge capacity at the hospitals in case there's a sharp rise in people who have become seriously ill from COVID-19. The second prerequisite is to ensure that our vulnerable populations are protected. So there needs to be adequate personal protective equipment uh, and staffing to manage care in our institutional settings, including our skilled nursing facilities. Residents and workers in institutional settings need to be appropriately tested for COVID-19. And there does need to be capacity to manage and respond to institutional cases of COVID-19 quickly and effectively by isolating and quarantining as required. The third prerequisite is that we need to make sure that there's capacity to test, trace, and isolate. This means being able to test people when it's appropriate. It also means being able to trace and isolate individuals who are positive for COVID-19 and to have their close contacts quarantined. And we do need to collect data electronically from both providers and labs, including data on race and ethnicity, to allow us, again, to better understand the spread of COVID-19 across our communities. And finally, there must be protocols in place to keep workers and customers and residents as safe as possible as we reopen. Protocols will uh, be issued that outline specific dis physical distancing and infection control measures that are needed to reopen businesses and institutions. And these will be specific by sector. Next slide. Our process for the staged reopening reflects a continual, the continual ability to determine our readiness as we move from one stage to the next. First, we always need to review how well we're doing to slow the spread. And we use data and information that's collected and will be shared on a dashboard uh, to make these assessments. And I'll talk about this again in a minute. Uh, then we work with the sectors who have been closed to understand their strategies for opening in ways that are as safe as possible for their employees, their customers, and their clients. 
Using this information, along with evidence-based effective infection control practices and distancing, we developed the protocols that, that businesses need to adhere to to reopen in as safe a manner as possible. Sectors then reopen, minimizing as much as they can the risk of spreading COVID-19. And as I mentioned, we continue this process throughout all the stages of our reopening. Next slide. These are the stages, and again, I want to thank the governor's office for creating a framework that we all can use across the state uh, to mark our progress. Stage one is the stage we're in now, and this is where our safer at home order is in effect, and it means that only essential businesses are currently open. Stage two is the stage that we're about to enter starting on Friday, May 8th. Our health officer order will be modified to reflect the easing of restrictions uh, and the required protocols for distancing and infection control. As Supervisor Barger noted, uh, on May 8th, florists and some retailers will be open for curbside pickup uh, only. But our car dealerships, uh, golf courses, and trails will also reopen, again, under strict protocols. And soon after, uh, hopefully starting uh, in the next week to come, other low-risk non-essential businesses, including manufacturers, offices, and other retail stores, will be able to slowly reopen, adhering to the distancing and infection control protocols. And this obviously includes occupancy restrictions in order, again, to maintain our ability to slow the spread. Essential health care, outdoor recreation, libraries, museums, cultural centers, and galleries will also begin gradual reopenings during uh, Stage 2. As a reminder, all of the businesses uh, that will be reopening uh, will open in a much modified way that allows for optimum physical distancing and infection control practices. And all of the businesses uh, are encouraged to make sure that their employees are allowed to continue to telework wherever that's possible and it makes sense. Stage three will allow us to see higher risk businesses, including the body art businesses, massage businesses, movie theaters, bowling alleys, bars and nightclubs, again, open, open slowly, and open with modifications. These businesses will need to operate at reduced occupancy to ensure that there's physical distancing for all the employees and customers. And they too will be asked to adhere to infection control protocols. Schools, colleges, and universities uh, are also included in a, in a phased opening uh, during uh, stage three. And again, I wanna thank all of the superintendents for working with us on uh, identifying the protocols that will be appropriate uh, to support physical distancing and infection control practices uh, when schools do uh, reopen. Uh, during stage four, the highest risk businesses, these include our entertainment venues, our large convention centers, sporting and spectator sports events, will open again with significant restrictions that allow for physical distancing and infection control practices. And stage five, that will be when we get to return to fully normal operations. Throughout all of the stages, it's incumbent on every one of us to protect each other by adhering to the distancing requirements. 
use our face coverings when we're around others, wash our hands frequently, isolate ourselves when we're sick, and quarantine when it's appropriate. Employers are also asked to do their part, and please not open before all the requirements for safety are able to be met. Next slide. And just a little bit more detail on uh, what's opening, uh, what can open on, on May 8th. Um, florists, toy stores, bookstores, clothing stores, music stores, sporting goods stores open for curbside pickup only. And again, there will be protocols issued tomorrow so that both employees and customers can adhere to physical distancing and infection control measures. Car dealership showrooms will be able to open and they too will need to adhere to the physical distancing and infection control measures. Golf courses uh, will reopen, uh, but pro shops will remain closed and restaurants and concession stands will only be able to offer takeout. And like every business that's reopening, uh, they must adhere to physical distancing and infection control measures. Our county trails will open and we'll ask all of you uh, who may wanna go uh, and get out on one of the trails, you must adhere to physical distancing and you must use cloth face coverings uh, when you're on the trails. As we move through the stages of recovery, we will be issuing, uh, next slide, sorry. As we move through the stages of recovery, we will be issuing protocols uh, for each sector on what measures they must take to slow the spread of COVID-19. And these do include uh, protecting and supporting workers and customers for their health and their safety, limiting in-person work and ensuring that vulnerable workers have alternate assignments, providing cloth face coverings and personal protective equipment to all employees, and asking that anyone entering the business also wear a cloth face covering. And of course, developing policies that make it easy for employees to stay home when they're sick or they are under a mandatory quarantine. Sectors do need to uh, ensure appropriate physical distancing. This includes limiting the number of people entering the business so that physical distance of at least six feet can be maintained as much as possible by all employees and customers. And there needs to be an ability to manage the employee schedules to enable them to do all of the physical distancing uh, that's required. We do know that proper infection control will be uh, very important. And this means following strict cleaning and sanitation standards, allowing employees to wash their hands frequently and have sani hand sanitizer available when hand washing is impossible, and frequently cleaning high touch surfaces. And all sectors need to pay particular attention to making sure that there's equitable access to their services for vulnerable populations. And this means continuing to prioritize access to critical services for those who are elderly, have underlying health conditions, or lack basic support. Next slide. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Dr. Barbara Ferrer going through a series of uh, slides now, but talking about how L.A. County is going to follow along, it looks like, with state regulations when it comes to reopening some aspects of, uh, of the economy. Trails owned by the county, golf courses, florist shops, car dealers, and stores that sell toys, books, clothing, sporting goods, and there it is, the music stores. 
so many of them. Can all reopen on uh, Friday. They'll have curbside pickup only in the county. They say we'll be enforcing social distancing when it comes to the trails. John so, and Ken show coming up next. See you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. So this is over. Yes. Gary and Shannon. And it's not something to clap about. It's sad. Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery available.